The Dark Times is not intended for younglings, foundlings, or Padawan learners. Ask your Game Master's permission before listening. Welcome to Bill's Bolts and Buckets. What can I do you for? Hi, I'm here to return this uh, evaporator unit. Uh, we have a very strict returns policy. What appears to be the problem with I'm it? I'm trying to get it to do the diagnostics, but the only channel it's getting is the Dark Times podcast. Welcome back to the Dark Times Podcast. I'm Sam, your favorite moisture farmer. And I'm Steven, your favorite used droid salesman. Oh, there we go. Yeah. That was very very literal yeah. <laughs> opening this week. That was very classic, I think. Yeah, for for old t- longtime fans of the show, we'll know we used to just do bits. Sam, Sam was like, thing. let's do a sketch for the intro this week. And I'm like, what? We haven't like, done one of those. Like, that's, that's a name I haven't heard in a long time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we have some news oh, first, yes. before we get into feedback. Yes. We're doing Wednesday release schedules now. Steven has gotten a hobby. Yes. I, I'm, I'm how f- dare he, right? This is his hobby, right? This should be it. But no, it's something that makes him happy. So I'm happy putting the day off one day a week. Oh, yeah. And I'm sure you all get used to this new release schedule. Yeah. I did, like, Not like 7 p.m. or midnight Eastern time on a Tuesday was the ideal upload schedule. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nothing will change except your episodes will now come on Wednesday, which Looking at the, the pod stats, that's when most people listen to the show anyway. There we go. So that bingo. There you so go. For some of you, there won't be a change at all. <laughs> yeah. You probably won't even notice at all, especially if you're overseas or, you know, not a night owl like, like me and Sam. Uh, we got some feedback from last week. Yes. We are still digging through mountains of emails. Um, we still haven't gotten through all of it yet. So if you haven't heard your email, do not do not despair. Uh, we'll probably by the end of next week or the week after that, we'll have more. Also, don't let that discourage you from sending in episode feedback to darktimeswissy at gmail.com. We'd love to hear anything and everything. Uh, this week we heard from Lakopic. Uh, he actually brought up an interesting counter argument. Sam, last week we were talking about how it should be obvious when an NPC is not heroic or not. There's a few things to look for and you can just, you know, look inside your heart and know. I said something along the lines of that named unique heroic Characters, NPCs, stat blocks don't have non-heroic levels ever. Um, there's actually two or a few notable exceptions, two of them being C-3PO and R2-D2. My guess is that they were built up from the stock models. Well, because they were they were in the core rulebook. Yes. This is before Scavenger's Guide to Droids. Yes. So they obviously didn't have any other way to make droids other than... You're right. And they obviously weren't custom droids. They yeah. were stock droids. So they almost... Sir, I mean, I can't I don't have them in front of me. I can't verify that. But they were probably built up from the stock models, which is probably why they have those non-heroic levels hanging on. Interesting exception, though. Yeah. And uh, probably just an artifact of early game to Ed's core rulebook stuff. I mean, come on. Well, that's Rodney, Rodney was like, <laughs> yeah, Rodney was like 18 when he threw that shit together. No, it's Rodney. Why don't the clones have the clone species? It was everything I could do. Not in the same ask. book. Oh man. They couldn't even answer that. I already told you what he said back in the day when they first asked him that. He was like, whatever, was like, man. I don't know. <laughs> well, we talked about this before. My, my theory is that they were written at the same time. Yes, they probably were by two different and people. And absolutely no they yeah. were. That yeah. makes sense. Yeah. Uh, Lakopic says daily force points are mega based. Uh, I happen to agree. His words, not yours. Yeah. His words, not mine verbatim, but they're, they might as well be my words now because I, <laughs> I, I, I feel the same way. Um, also brought up the, uh, he, he said Lil literalists limb house rule. I think he's referring to the maiming foes alternative rule from the Saga Edition FAQ, this is a popular alternative rule. So I'll just read it verbatim right here off the wiki. A character may attempt to cripple an opponent instead of killing them. To do so, the character must declare their intent ahead of time and make an attack at a minus five penalty, dealing half damage on a successful attack. Should the resulting attack take their foe to zero hit points while still overcoming the target's damage threshold, effectively killing them, the target is instead maimed in some manner, but otherwise alive maimed meaning they lose a limb of this some is sort. alternatives to what we were talking about last week with like death the yeah, character yeah. Player death. oh actually now i know what look means by little literalists house rule i think on little literalists living world server which is still a vibing happening super lively place to play swissy these days if you're going to die you can volunteer to get maimed you can instead of dying lose an arm or a leg oh, or something yeah like it's pretty that. cool I think there may be other penalties that go along with that besides the substantial cost of replacing a limb with a cybernetic prosthesis. But yeah, I think that's the house rule is that you can choose to be maimed instead of killed. That's cool. Yeah, a very, very good one. Something to consider for your table if you don't want many deaths and a lot of cybernetics. Uh, you also teased me for saying that Kalkatarn flirted with the dark side, um, pointing out that Kalkatarn like force choked and force lightning entire like 
squads of stormtroopers at, at a time, like a la Starkiller. So definitely a little more than flirtation going on there. Starkiller flirts at the dark side, too. <laughs> Starkiller flirts with his commanding officer. <laughs> was Juno Eclipse's commanding officer? Technically, yes. That's funny. Yes. Oh, it's because he technically wasn't Imperial. Yeah, he didn't, have a, he didn't hold a rank, but Juno did. And <laughs> Vader was like, look after him. Heard from a good friend, Iroh. He sent us a very good story that we went ahead and encouraged him to put on the subreddit. Uh, Iroh says that he'll be running Eridonian Darkness soon. Sam, do you know about Eridonian Darkness? The name's familiar. Isn't Eridonia the planet from, that the Zabraks are from? N- yes. Yes, You almost is. fucking shot me down. I, like, almost I didn't did. know what I was talking about. I, I, I confused them with Ethorians. Yeah, Eridonians and Thorians. Yes, it's a little known, well, like relative to Dawn of Defiance, pre-made official module that's actually centered on the Coder era. Oh, cool. Yeah, I've been meaning to play it forever, just never have. You were talking about like a, something about a little bit of one shot. Um, oh, well, we'll, other... talk, we'll talk about that later. Yeah, Steve. We, we, we'll yeah, tease yeah, that yeah. later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Iroh also uh, the 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 and nuggets the moral of Iroh's story that that he shared with us and hopefully we'll share with the world uh, is that it's very easy to take old modules and reflavor them for your campaign. There's a lot of good material from LFA or old D6 adventures. Do you know what LFA is? I'm not familiar. Iroh, let us know what LFA is because that sounds familiar. I think I'm just having a brain. It's probably right a now. module name or something like that. Yeah, that's probably not. Oh no, that's Living Force Adventures. Maybe that makes sense. That yeah. was the organized play that you could do in like your friendly local games shop yeah. for Swiss C like the adventures league. You like the adventures league. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think that's what he means there. That living, living force adventures. Cause those would be living official force modules. Lines. They would run. Yeah. yeah. That makes sense. That yeah. makes sense. Um, oral D six adventures. Yes. The D six like Western games adventures have, or goldmine. Yeah. Absolutely. I'm, I've busted out quite a bit for zero distance. Rodney busted out quite a bit. <laughs> writing Swissy. <laughs> like true, he, like he told us in the interview. <laughs> He says he doesn't know about FFG modules. I, I don't know about FFG modules either. The fancy I hear they're games. good if you want to run like post rebellion era and post um like episode nine stuff like that. Like, oh. like anything from Disney. Was it called Disney era? What do they call that? Uh, the sequel era. Sequel era. Yes, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Any, anything sequel era. Apparently it's got good content for that. Well, if that's your thing, then then, then go, go ride right that now. horse. Yeah. Cowboy. Yeehaw. Fuck the lore. Fuck Wikipedia, says Iroh, uh, as I once uttered long ago on this podcast. I think that was the moment I knew this podcast was going to be great. When I, Steven said, fuck Wikipedia, <laughs> 47 minutes into our first episode. <laughs> Shout out to Wikipedia. They do follow us on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> we love Wikipedia. I use it all the time. Of course, that that the context, you don't have to. Is no, the thing. exactly. And, and Iroh explains, use the lore as a means to tell a fantastic story. If the very lucky scoundrel ace pilot gunslinger Darklanders lands the final blow on XR Kun and Olek, it is only epic, and no one will say anything about that. And if someone says something, play guess the stat block, or I will literally kill you with him. <laughs> <laughs> I like that as punishment for players for metagaming. You have to, <laughs> or Murder I kill them. your PC. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I always love your take on things, and um, I, I think you're right. So thanks for writing in. Thanks for listening also. Seriously. Uh, Iroh has been with us since fucking dawn of time I, I agree yeah mr butts says on patreon after hearing the most recent episode i'm curious to know how you bring back players whose attention has been lost for example i'm currently a player in an intermittent online game where i can hear one of the other players getting rare xbox achievements regularly while our gm is explaining things i've got my own thoughts but i'd love to hear someone else's ideas yeah so you know after i'd ran a couple campaigns i would realized you know my player's attention span is something that has to be addressed. Not everyone for one reason or another uh, is able to sit down and like do a campaign, especially with online games. Boy, howdy, do I struggle to pay attention in online games, no matter what I do. The problem is you have the entire world's knowledge. The information superhighway is sitting out in front of me and it's beautiful lights and blinking screens. And uh, yeah, online games, particularly I struggle to pay attention to sometimes at the table, but not, not as often. It's one of those things where, Maybe you can't stop it, but you can mitigate it and set ground rules in a session zero. That's another thing. Session zeros are great. Absolutely. For. And, and that's what I did with my most recent campaign. I, I leveled with my players on our session zero and I was like, hey, I can't stop you from browsing Reddit during the game. I can't stop you from, you know, doom scrolling while we play. But here's the deal. Like no, no video games, no games of any sort beyond the one we're playing here together. Like that's that's rule one. Do whatever you need to do to pay attention, whether that's browsing Reddit or doing a sketch or taking notes. But if 
I come around to you for like the third turn in an encounter where you're not paying attention and you didn't know it was your turn where it's like obvious you're not engaged. Then that's when we'll talk about like what we can change up to make sure you're you're engaged, because um, I used to take that shit pretty personally. I don't think anyone always should. It's obvious when someone is making a obvious effort to ignore you. (laughs) I've heard about campaigns online where players will show up and like deafen themselves on discord. So wild. It's it's so weird. a waste of everyone's time. Yeah, seriously. But yeah, that's my thoughts on it. Just be clear with your players about what sort of a level of attention you expect. For example, I want my players to be ready and raring to go when their turn comes around. I don't really do the uh, 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 shuffling character sheet around trying to plan your turn there. I, I really want my players to plan their turn while everyone else is going. Something Matthew Mercer does that I really like is he'll say, all right, uh, it's Atorn's turn. The next it's going to be Sigil. Yes. And you say that at the beginning of that turn. That way you, the next player hears you and is like, oh, my turn's next. I better think about what I'm going to do and pay attention. That's a trick that I love to do and often forget to do. Mostly because, like, we use you're in the You're in the moment. It's hard. I'm in the zone. It's hard to remember every little thing. And with Roll20, we have that nice visible encounter tracker that everyone can see, and you have your little player picture and your name there. So I feel like if you're at least looking at the window, uh, you should be able to know when your turn's coming up. But yeah, that's, that's how I handle it. And I, I'm also curious, Mr. Butts, to hear what other people might have to say about that. Our good friend Escatonia reached out. I heard you name drops to r slash Star Wars maps. I visit most of the role-playing map subreddits. They're fantastic. While also good for rush prep, I surf these subreddits for inspiration. Yes. I will see a map that speaks to me, and then the encounter starts to build itself in my head. I drop into roll 20 and then start adding hazards, enemies, notes, skill challenges, handouts, etc. This is the way. Like, not to, you know, yeah, no, use a cliche, yeah, man, no. but like... <laughs> <laughs> um, I love... I'm such a map-first guy. I will see a a wonderful map and then like already my brain is auto filling. I'm running down the encounter building checklist, popping those things in enemies, hazards, skill challenges, fleshing it out like passively when I see it. Same thing. If I get a good map design in my head, I always draw the map out first and then run through the encounter building checklist in 38 minutes. I have a juicy, bountiful, beautiful encounter for Swissy. And let's be honest, more often than not, the map that you're looking for is out there already, whether you know it oh, or not. Also, every map's been made, folks. I'm sorry, but it's the truth. No matter what you think, every map has been made or no one's just done the color variation you're looking for yet, which or can be as expansive as you're looking. Yeah, for. which can easily be achieved in GIMP. I, I want to mention my thought process is uh, this was for we had a Black Sun pirate mercenary gang. Yes. And they were on Corellia and your character Dav was from Corellia. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, OK, I want an encounter on Corellia regarding uh, involving these characters. I looked up all the uh, cool solo has a lot of cool like concept art of Corellia yeah, and seriously. stuff like that. So I looked up that and I was like, OK, that's kind of the vibe I want to go for. Scrolled through the Star Wars maps, found a really nice like. It was a lot bigger. The one I found was like a, an alleyway, like a, a few back streets. Yeah. I cropped it down to one alleyway and that's what I got. I love another trick I do when I'm doing like a hex crawl is I'll buy one of those big like 100 by 100 like jungle maps on drive through RPG and then I'll chop that shit into 10 different maps or whatever. And there there's there's my random encounter. Wow, that's yeah. really good. Yeah, actually. no, it's fucking great. <laughs> no, I love the better. The only thing I love more than downloading maps from the Internet is cropping them. Drive through RPG is your friend. Oh, and you know, support those small map makers. They oh work hard, God. dude. It's two dollars for like the coolest fucking map you've ever seen. Yeah. Like Siri. I oh man. I I'm on there a lot, and I still probably haven't spent more than thirty bucks like in my whole life. Well, there, there you go. And it's thirty bucks well spent. Seriously, it goes straight to a, a, a struggling artist. I mean, come on. Escatonia finishes his email with the interview with Rodney was fantastic. I was as excited as you were. I hope you get that interview with Sam Whitwer. <laughs> Me too. Eschatonia. Me too, Escatonia. <laughs> I don't know when we'll ever reach out, but you know, I'd say after the Rodney interview, give it a few months. Let's let let's rest on our laurels for a little bit. I'm definitely feeling like I want to rest on my laurels. <laughs> uh, but maybe not now because we've got an episode to do, Stephen. Oh yeah. Uh, what's our topic for today, Sam? We're doing. So we've talked a lot about GM prep. Yeah. And I just think honestly, there's no stopping talking about it because it's it's always changing things are always improving things you can do to make your games better run more smoothly there's something i've seen you do and i'm sure other people do it too that i really enjoy player handouts oh yes 
player, Absolutely. whether they be physical, tactile handouts, let's say you give the players the deed to that high rise apartment on Corellia they've been looking at like a physical deed. That's fun. Or maybe it's a little handout sheet on roll 20 to help you remember which NPCs are what and stuff like that. Absolutely. I mean, this is a realm where like your your physical craftiness and creativity can really shine. I have some experience working with handouts and I've developed a four bullet point system for crafting a good handout, whatever it may be, a flashy physical map or a nice little click through on roll 20. Your first bullet point for crafting your perfect handout is conciseness, preciseness. Your language must be shortened. You are not reprinting the book. The only thing I ever copy and paste is like the game text from Feats and Talents. Because yeah. if you start fucking with that, because the explicit what the effect explicitly says is important. Yes. If you start fucking with that, you start fucking with the game and that can be done successfully. You can shorten down the essence of feats and talents and, and still have an effective, useful guide. We'll get a little bit more on that later, but that's the only thing I ever copy and paste. Everything else, you can absolutely use your creative writing skills and get it short. These are meant to be handy guides for your players for use during play. You don't want something long and that's basically just a reprinting of the book because no one wants a full binder on what force powers are. No, not at all. And the every word they spend reading is one less, you know, 30 seconds segment of role playing at the table. You really, really want these to be short and sweet. Oh, um, a little sidebar. Hmm. One of our players, what they do really well is they make note cards. Yes. For all their players abilities and stuff like that that player is a very very organized person that player also struggles to pay attention at the table sometimes and it's totally cool because what they've done is flex their very strong creative instinct and made these insanely cool detailed color-coded cards that are on a little ring and that's their character sheet basically just a full flip through and oh my god they're so fast They've built some very complex things and they just rip through these cards and they know their turn immediately. And like each one references what other things are relevant to that card and stuff like that. It's great. It's it's so, so cool. Not everyone has that. I don't have that level of talent when it comes like organizing and, and creating, but they do. And and I'm always impressed with what they cook up. And that's something you as a player can find a way to help streamline your own, help you digest the game in your own way. Oh, yeah. Because as we talked about, this game is meaty. <laughs> meaty only begins to describe Swissy. Uh, crunchy even you're as a player you're allowed to do whatever the hell you want to remember it doesn't even have to be your character sheet you can do I mean run it by your GM but they there shouldn't be any rules at the table for what you can and can't do to keep yourself engaged and remembering your character unrelated to Swissy depending on the system I'm personally a big fan of those apps that let you do character sheets on them. Yes. Let you level up with them and everything. It's super nice. And Swissy, uh, God, I wish there could be one for us. If any, you know someone who's making a Swissy character sheet app. Any I'd Android developers it. out there who want to, I don't know, do <laughs> the that. The official Dark Times uh, <laughs> character sheet app. That'd be crazy. <laughs> uh, look to popular trading card game Magic the Gathering by Wizards of the Coast on how to pack a lot of specific information into a small space. Um, magic cards have their own. I'm sure you know about this, Sam, their own internal language with yeah. its own rules. Words have very specific meanings. It's a bit like law, like boilerplate, like like real estate law, how magic cards work. Look to those. Pick up a magic card and, and really take a look at what it's saying. They can achieve a very complex description with less than 20 words. And I think just reading through some of those has always helped me understand how to use language in a concise but but useful way. I like that, Steve. That's nice. Absolutely. One more note. It's not a book club. Like, yes, there's a book involved that you're all here for, but it's not a book club. You're not here to read. You're here to role play, which those are closely tied activities. But keep that in mind when creating your handbooks. You're not trying to create a whole new supplement for them to read through. That is not your job. And at the table, too, like I, it's been said time and time again, don't spend 20 minutes thumbing through the core rulebook to find a specific thing. Just make a ruling. And if it's wrong, change it next session. Every session I come back and say, oh, hey, guys, I said this one thing last week. We're actually going to be doing it this way because now I've had a chance to research it. Hey, guys, I'm Steven. I'm not perfect and I will continue to not be perfect. And you can persecute me as such. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So what's your next bullet point, Steven? First point was conciseness, preciseness. The second bullet point is consistent, consistent language. I tried to make those rhyme. I don't think they can. Um, consistent linguistics. Consistent linguistics. This is what That's I was pretty lo- close to slant rhyme. Absolutely. Emily Dickinson. Gotta love her. This is what I was alluding to earlier. Paraphrasing warning. Red alert. Klaxons blaring. Look out. 
One of the biggest mistakes I made as an early game master was just chopping up rules text, be it feats, talents, equipment, whatever, just to make it fit, sound more natural and be more concise. There's a problem with that. While I was doing what I thought was right, I was also changing the very mechanics of the game itself. You can't change the text of a feat or talent or game mechanic. I I really recommend that you don't. And you shouldn't. And you really really shouldn't. shouldn't. Because the game is the printed words on the page. And it's as if you were changing the very game code that a video game was made of. You don't do that unless you know what you're doing. So don't do it for the sake of a handout. (laughs) Yeah, we can't uh, stress it enough. They're worded a specific way for a reason. And in doing what I thought was a good, helpful thing for my players, I kind of ended up warping six people's, including my own perception of specific game rules and player options forever. There's still things that we come back to today. We're like, didn't this feat work like that? And it's like, no, that's when I just paraphrased the feat wrong for a player handout all those years ago. So I, I don't do it. <laughs> didn't our first campaign have like, we were taking feats every other level instead of every third level. Great example for, and why you should be very careful when chopping up game texts. We were level 11 or 12 in a level 20 campaign when I realized that I was giving my players like 30% more feats than they were due and the balance wasn't making sense. And, and I, I was, think I was the only player doing it right because I was using Saga Forge instead yes. of making character by hand. Yes. <laughs> We all had a lot to learn back then. Um, and uh, yeah, and, and now our feats are all good now, though. Don't worry. And this is kind of an obvious one. If you use shorthand and abbreviations, which I do recommend, don't change the text, abbreviate it. Just make sure those abbreviations and shorthand are consistent across all everything you put out, all of your handouts. Our defense versus reflex versus. <laughs> yes, yes. Just make sure make a little micro language for you and your players Make sure it's consistent. Make sure you're always using the same abbreviations for everything. This is kind of just copy editing 101 stuff, but it, it's relevant. It's amazing all the different little areas we dip into when, when we game master. The third bullet point is learn by doing. The best way to communicate playing the game will always be, guess what, playing the game. These folks have already read the core rulebook, hopefully. These folks have already read through endless forums on Reddit. They've skimmed the wiki once They've or twice. They've skimmed the wiki once or twice. They're done with words. They've skimmed the wiki They've once skimmed or twice. the wiki once or twice. <laughs> I promise you they're done with the letters and the sentences and the punctuation and the words thing. They want to play. They want to play. It's time to play. It's time to just be patient. A great way to figure out what handouts you need to make are play three or four sessions. Write down the questions that keep coming up. Bam. There's your handouts. How many actions do I have per turn? Can I just draw an equipment for a free action or is it a move action? How do I level up? Like these are the sorts of things you should pay, be paying attention to because you're not going to have the same set of handouts for different groups. It's important. You can bring shit over. Of course, don't get me wrong, but different configurations of people are going to get stuck on different mechanics. That's just come on. That's that's the, that's how it is. And Steven, you're experienced in this in this realm of making handouts. You're quite the expert. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. Gently guiding your players through progressively intricate encounters and story beats is always going to be better than any handout. If you can establish your own wonderful little learning curve, then then that that's that's better than any handout you could possibly make. I, I guarantee it. An example I can think of was in our Wyvern Squadron campaign. You introduced us all to piloting our own X-Wings at the same time yeah. and in a very low stakes environment. Yeah, absolutely. It's a no brainer if you're say you're introducing mass combat or space combat, some other, you know, fringe, unfamiliar game mechanic or way of play. Make that the encounter with like four TIE fighters just so everyone can figure out how the hell do I fly as an X-Wing in, in Star Wars Saga edition. And then once they sort of get a grip on that, that's when you drop the tri patrol cruiser on their ass or the full blown Imperial Star Destroyer, like whatever you want. It's like um, it's very similar to like video games. You yeah. know, you have the tutorial level and that's OK. Your players are allowed to have a tutorial level. And I'm glad you brought up tutorial because that's what handouts are not. Handouts are not a tutorial. They are not there to teach you how to play the game. They are quick reference documents because in RPGs and particularly this one, there's too much going on for you to keep it in your head at once. Come on. Why would game masters ever write anything down if you could keep everything in your head all at once with RPGs? 
And the fourth bullet point, the shortest but sweetest copy editing. Get another pair of eyes on your handouts. It could be another player. This isn't like a campaign spoiler thing like, oh, hey, Jimmy, can you copy to help me copy edit this handout I'm making for the party? Maybe give them an extra force point or a burger if like <laughs> if, if for, for a job well done or the Internet is a generous and massive place. Get on the Swissy Discord and say, I'm making these handouts for my players. Could an experienced set of eyes take a look at them for me? I can think of like 12 usernames that would jump on the opportunity to do that pretty much 24 seven copy editing, please. Just not just for grammar, but just for, you know, the other three bullet points. Readability, understanding, understandability, stuff like that. I get in my own head so much. And sometimes I will create something that makes no sense to any human being on (laughs) Earth. And it takes a friendly and intelligent friend of mine to be like, this was written by an alien. (laughs) You need to make this a little more legible. In English, dumbass. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, don't be afraid to rely on others to help you create. Copy editing is an important step in every type of publication ever. The episode doesn't even get uploaded until Sam and I have both listened to it and both agree that, yeah, this is, this represents us. This can go on the internet. A little behind the scenes peek for you there. <laughs> so listeners, we are providing you with four lovely handouts that I have created. I was going to say, I don't think you had a hand in any of these. No, no, I've never worked on it. I've never worked on anything notable in my life. Steve. <laughs> this is the first time I've ever seen anything so wonderful also. So the first handout I'm providing you, dear listener, is the first one I made. It's entitled, ah, fuck, I'm in combat. Now what? This is a very simple one, two, three, what to do in combat in Star Wars Saga Edition. It's just make your initiative and then it explains what you can do every round on your character's turn. And then it goes into explain a little bit about free actions and reactions. Um, it also gives some examples of full round actions, standard move and swift actions as well. This doesn't get into the more advanced initiative like rules of like delaying or holding your turn. But for a level one party new to a system, that was not relevant. So I didn't include it. And I like this because it does include like, am I going to remember I can do a full attack or a charge charge? And the. The intricacies on charge are also easily forgettable where at the end of your turn, charge ends your turn, charge ends your turn. And not everyone remembers that. Not everyone remembers that charge ends your freaking turn. The next handout I'm giving you, dear listeners, is a more recent creation. This is my vehicle combat actions cheat sheet. Um, Didn't have a clever name for this one. Oh, fuck. I'm driving. Now what? (laughs) (laughs) This is straight up. This is mostly copy and pasted from the wiki. This is a categorized list of all the different vehicle actions you can take. A lot of these are analogs to character scale, but have little differences that matter. As we always know, the little differences add up in Star Wars Saga Edition. What I've also included ensconced within this handout was a separate handout. This one references just a quick little guide on dogfighting. Again, this is largely just snippets from the wiki, all pasted together in one convenient place, as you all know. Sometimes information on the wiki is very discrepant, very spread out. This attempts to kind of dumbify it all into one single document. I like doing handouts like this on Roll20 because if my players are tabbed out looking at the wiki, then they aren't looking at the Roll20 window. And I've done just a little bit of work. Now, it took me like 30 minutes to put all these together. I have a few other handouts in there. And they've paid dividends. Doug Dimadem dividends, dude. Doug Dimado dividends. Fuck. Yes, Absolutely. For some, like it, it's, I thought it would just be a small little tweak that might help some people pay attention and stay focused, but it helps me focus more because I'm using them. I'm staying off the wiki. I had a really good metaphor that was going to go here, but I totally forgot what it was. I'm sorry. No, it's fine. I, I, <laughs> I did. I should have wrote it down, but I didn't. But yes, uh, handouts in roll 20. Great for keeping the player's attention focused on roll 20. I think it was like, I think the illusion I was going to make, it was like looking at like a way when you're driving or something. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> like reading the manual to your car versus looking at the dashboard, maybe something like that. That is a good one. So we're going to go with that. <laughs> we'll say it's that. Yeah, we'll say it's that. Santa has come early this year and Steven has brought us gifts other than handouts. So I know what you're thinking, listener. You're like, I don't, I don't care, Steven. Like, oh, you're, you're the first handout you made when you were a noob GM. Great. Thanks. Oh man, I'll. I'll, rem- I'll just do, yeah. I'll stick with my five tab bookmark <laughs> folder. Thank you. I'll, I'll, I'll be sure to remember Ram and Coup de Gras. Thanks, bud. I really, really appreciate <laughs> it. And oh, 
Yeah, vehicle actions. Uh, yeah, I'll hang on to this. You know, my party increase vehicle speed. Who needs that? Yeah, like thanks. When when my party has our <laughs> once every six months uh, starship combat, I'll be sure to bust this one out. Enough with the fucking sarcasm, Stephen. Fine, <laughs> I'll up the ante. My friends, I give you the gear requisition spreadsheet. My first question when sitting down to run a campaign with gear requisition in it. What is gear requisition for oh, those who don't yes, know? Yes, of course. Galaxy War introduced the gear requisition system. This was a really cool way to put the happenest hardware of the game into the hands of your players quite easily. Do your players want the blastinest weapons, the high flyingest starfighters, the most explodiest mines, but they don't have black market connections and are broke as all shit? Well, buddy, Sign them up with an organization. Get the gear requisition system in there. Their organization score, which is a separate discussion entirely, basically a, a, an optional score that represents their clout in a particular organization, can be directly quantified into fake monopoly money that they can spend on weapons and vehicles and starships in a sort of buy phase before, like think Counter-Strike, before they undertake a mission. This was kind of the cornerstone of what I called my toy box approach in that campaign where I wanted to give my players maximum options, maximum torqued up hardware to absolutely decimate any problem they had in their path their way. With minimum paperwork. With minimum paperwork. And that's the first problem I came into when I wanted to introduce the gear requisition system. It was all paperwork, baby. It was literally like algebra, algebra problems to calculate the org score into the starship budget. And then there's a separate gear budget calculation. And then what are my players all sitting around with a book, like thumbing through finding the, all the items? Different items. Yeah. Stuff. Like, oh, I wanted a rocket launcher. But what page was that on? Like, oh, man. Oh, shit. Uh, how much is the used price of an X-Wing again? So Stephen did what he always does in times of great struggle and woe. Make a spreadsheet. <laughs> <laughs> made an Excel spreadsheet. <laughs> I can't. This is a non-visual media, dear listener. So you'll have to see it in the links down in the description below. You can it's hosted on Google Drive. You can make a copy and save it to your own Google account to share with your players. This spreadsheet allows your players to select from a few pre-selected options. These are just the options from the zero distance campaign. So you're going to see like X-Wings, A-Wings, speeder bikes, um, blaster carbines, frag grenades. Very basic, simple stuff. I didn't but anyone with a grasp on basic Excel can easily add more stuff to it. That's the kicker. The, this spreadsheet is infinitely expandable. What? It's <laughs> infinitely expandable. There's hideable tabs, both for starships and gear, where you could enter anything you want. If there's a unique homebrew weapon, type in the name, the CL, and the credits cost. It shows up in the dropdown on the spreadsheet. Same for homebrew vehicles. Do you want to put a capital ship on the gear acquisition page for some fucking reason? <laughs> you can do it. It's easy. And... Here's another freebie for you. This is an idea I've been meaning to execute for a long time, but I just have not had the damn time. There's a little thing out there called the Saga Index. It is all the information about Saga Edition tabulated in a beautiful spreadsheet. It's been around forever. There's like eight versions of it. The latest is still hyperlinked on the, on the subreddit sticky. This spreadsheet is designed, if your Excel foo is good enough, Tis Daz, I know you're listening. <laughs> if your Excel foo is good enough, it should be trivial for you to simply staple this gear requisition sheet to the Saga Index and have a infinitely expandable, infinitely filterable ultimate gear requisition index for your players where they could requisition any item in the game. Oh, I'm afraid the gear requisition sheet will be quite operational when your friends arrive. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So... There you go. What else? What else could we possibly offer up today, Sam? Yeah, that was such a big, chunky, uh, helpful guide and handouts that you've given us. It's it would just be rude to not give them more. I that's you know the stocking stuffers were always my favorite part of Christmas because <laughs> I want to see what crazy shit my mom stuffed in there. Do your family ever do oranges in the in the stocking? No, we're not white. Uh, that's that's fair. <laughs> My family didn't either, but both my parents, like parents did. Like my grandparents do that shit. It's a generational thing, probably. <laughs> it definitely is. Uh, irrelevant. What are they getting, Steven? I said a little something about organization score earlier, and it sounded kind of stupid and lame and unfathomable. Folks, I made another spreadsheet. The rank calculator. Now, this one's just based on and only sort of based on the rank system as provided for the Rebel Alliance in the Galaxy at War book. 
So you'll have to do some tweaking on your own if you want something maybe for a pirate gang or the Imperials. Those examples also exist in the books and are very good. I think the uh, Swissy Wiki has uh, some more expanded some great options. tables with all yeah, of them as well. Really good tables. I left out all the ones that are like minus 10 to your org score if you kill your commanding officer. Because, I mean, that that's kind of obvious. And that's, <laughs> that's definitely more like role play that first before you worry about subtracting 10 from your org score. Definitely. Yes, this is just a simple check boxes put in numbers. You put in relevant information about your character, your level, their classes, their background, and it spits out an org score number for you to use. What rank that org score correlates with, that's going to depend on your organization. I have my own internal rank table that we use that's good for like a starfighter core. Otherwise, uh, make your own. There's also plenty printed in the books. Uh, This, my gift to you. And what about those dear, dear patrons, Stephen? What do they get? So I was thumbing through my files and I was like, we're giving everyone the gear, right? Like I'm not putting the gear rec sheet behind a paywall. Fuck that. No way. Not putting the rank calculator behind a paywall. These are too good, too juicy. These make these already somewhat cumbersome mechanics easy to use. And more accessible for all players. And more accessible for all players and easier to use just for the general public. The Patreon will be getting my zero distance setting guide. This is a fully formatted a four page document with original artwork and some just delicious, delicious formatting inspired by the original run of the core rulebook. This was the guide I gave to my players to hype them up and prep them for my starfighter campaign. It has a brief overview of what like a pilot in star Wars is and how the different classes fit into that archetype. It also has just some general reminders. Like remember you get plus two on pilot operated weapons. If you're trained in pilot and shit like that, Um, As well as just a few notes on campaign expectations regarding like player death and encounter difficulty. This is provided to inspire you and to show off a little bit because the formatting (laughs) took me a long, long time and I I want people to see it. Uh, Long time listeners of the show will remember Stephen and I actually talked about this episode like three. Yes. We did like a full breakdown of like all the different classes, how they relate to being good pilots and stuff like that. Yes. So uh, patrons, this will be up for you. And it might be helpful for some up and coming uh treats we've got coming later in the episode oh you know it might it might just it might just help you out with one thing or another down the line (laughs) (laughs) uh folks that is what we offer you today uh if you have any feedback on the above let us know we'd love to hear what you think of these uh handouts that we're releasing to you and of course always cheat lie steal and uh, a bridge to your liking the secret fourth one that we don't talk about (laughs) yeah if you see my gear requisition spreadsheet and you think you can do it better god i hope you do (laughs) <laughs> I, sh- I, 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 anything that the world needs is a better version of what I'm putting up here. So please, these are free documents. I don't own them. I'm not going to make money off of them. They are the communities to use and modify as you see fit. Adapt them to your needs. Change them however you need to. Steven's uh, gear requisition sheet has the uh, rebel, the rebel logo. What's oh yeah, it's got the, the starboard on the, it. Or the rebel starboard on yeah. it. Make it imperial. Seriously. Make it black and white. Throw the imperial logo on there. Make it. Uh, Grand Army of the Republic, do all that cool shit. It would work. It would take you maybe 10 minutes of work to retool it for the Grand Army of the Republic. Make it Antarian Rangers gear requisition. Like, that'd be cool as fuck. It would be cool. It would be really cool. Thank you. Thank Steven. you. Oh, thank you, Sam. Those are some great handouts. Thank you, listeners. I appreciate it, Sam. It was Sam's idea for me to put these out here. I'm not, I'm not one to... I don't want to take credit for the episode. It's a, it's a group effort. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to Dark Times Podcast, and a specific thank you this week to Southern Lich, Nautilus54, and Trevor C. Steven, why do they get a specific uh, shout out this week? Because they were, they're all fucking new $10 patrons. You kidding me? It's insane. I got, I got off of work. My weekend starts, you know, I go out, party a little bit Saturday night, come back, wake up, check my phone. Three new $10 patrons? Is the t-shirt that cool? (laughs) I'd hope so. (laughs) Um, Guys, thank you so much. That $10 tier, we put it up there just to have something up there. Well, first, uh, Eschatonia asked for a $10 tier. That's right. It was Eschatonia who is so cool. And his, you know, endless generosity was like, I wish there was a $10 tier. Because if there was, I'd do it. He said... I believe the words were the production value on you guys' show is so great. I can, can you put a $10 tier? And we did it for him. I will. So thank you, Eshkatonia. I really appreciate it. And thanks again to Southern Lich, Nautilus 54 and Trevor C. They are going to get the first official dark times t-shirt 
after being a patron for three months. That's I did the math, Stephen. I crunched the numbers a little bit. That's less than thirty five cents a day. You can't even get a gumball yeah, for thirty five cents a day. I can find days. that shit off the street <laughs> to be a patron. And and don't forget, five dollar patrons get the first official Dark Times sticker as well. And of course, our undying gratitude for supporting the show. Uh, we're always grateful for patrons of any level. And our merch is a way of saying thanks. We actually, you know, the same. We don't make any money on that merch. Yeah. The, the Patreon and eats that. And like we like that shirt in the first three months, we get 10 bucks total what, after a total after what goes to the shirt. So we get like a third of what the total Patreon cost. Yeah. Is. Which, uh, hey, you know, anything to to show you guys how thankful we are. And, and we we just we can't say thank you enough. I feel like, you know, like PBS viewers like you. Yeah, thank I you. always feel like that because that's that's what <laughs> this doesn't happen without. The patrons. Absolutely. It doesn't happen without the listeners either, of course. But like equally as important. But the patrons get to get to have a sticker and a shirt to show it. And we love stickers and we love shirts. I bet those shirts taste great, too. (laughs) What? I thought thought those shirts look cool on the outside. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) that was a really good one. Can that be our next shirt? It says, I I thought this shirt looked cool on the outside. Yeah, we'll we'll do it. And it's reversible. (gasps) Write this down. Write this down. I'm writing it down. if you're feeling left out and want a shout out in these breaks, then use the support the show link in the description and join the Dark Times Patreon to get some cool merch, support the show, and vote in all current and future bounties. Nudge, nudge, wink, wink. Nudge, nudge, wink, wink. If you also want a shout out here and don't want to give us your money, that's perfectly fine. Money's tight these days. Write a review on Apple Podcasts. Or Spotify. Or Spotify. Leave those five stars. Tell a friend and let us know. Tell someone on Reddit and let us know. We'll shout you out right here. We love, love, love when people spread the word about our show. Oh, we love when we get like, I, I love seeing, we've talked about this before, but when you see subreddit, like comment recommendations, like, oh, check out the Dark Times oh, podcast. Oh. They cover this pretty well. When <laughs> someone hyperlinks an episode of ours, I literally have a heart attack. And die. <laughs> positively. Yeah, positively. <laughs> Small note for that $10 tier. We have set up before the $10 tier will get the sticker and the shirt. $10 tier gets the sticker and the shirt. There's a bug on Patreon's end that prevents us from adding the sticker to that tier right now. Once that bug is gone, we're going to try again in like a month. We're going to try to add the sticker again. And if it doesn't work out, we'll keep berating Patreon. But just know that you do, you will, you are entitled to that sticker and that shirt, both at the $10 tier. We'll make it happen. Let's teach you back to the show. Yes. Steven, hmm. with death comes rebirth. And Damn. with the death of my player character, Atorn Casala, comes the birth of a new player character, Dev Debo, the oh, Duros wait. pilot. Here comes the placenta. <laughs> it's a Duros! <laughs> <laughs> Do you think Cad Bane just came out looking and sounding like that? I think he came out with the hat on. <laughs> and that's how we knew he was always going to be here. <laughs> Our little cowboy. So you lost a torn castle. Unfortunately, rest in peace. Uh, his body or in pieces, depending on how the crash went. Seriously. (laughs) Your new pilot is dev Debo. You wanted to show him off for the show. I say, let's get into it. Dev Debo is a level eight ace pilot. I made for zero distance. Uh, I just want to keep you guys in mind that for zero distance, Steven gave us two free starship maneuvers. Strongly recommend if you're running a starship campaign, just hand out two free starship maneuvers. Starship maneuvers maneuvers is great. Makes combat way more interesting Uh, at first. When I made this second character sheet, I misunderstood what he meant and assumed he meant free use of the starship tactics feat. Uh, So that's... You fucking wish. I know. Incorrectly represented on the character sheet, but I'll explain it. the, The actual build here in the show. Very good. Dev Debo is a Soldier 5, Scout 2, Ace Pilot 1. He's got the Spring the Trap talent that gives all players a free surprise round if they roll higher initiatives than the enemies. And he's also got the Unified Squadron feat, which gives all players a bonus on pilot checks if they're within 12 squares of each other for each player that has Unified Squadron. It's like a better skill focus, basically, if you're doing a full Starfighter campaign. I love team feats. Team feats are cool. Uh, as a Duros, Dev gets the expert pilot species trait, but with the flawless pilot species feat, that becomes a better reroll, allowing him to keep the better of both roles, which is hell yeah, it's awesome. Dev personally is a heavy weapon specialist, and the weapon specialist talent tree pays off in spades here. Devastating attack allows him to treat a target's damage threshold as five points lower, and penetrating attack allows him to treat a target's damage reduction as five points lower. Always a deadly combination, especially with vehicle combat. Yes. 
What's cool about this is these both apply to vehicle weapons as well as heavy weapons. Because as we all know, weapon systems on a vehicle are always heavy weapons. And to uh, the extra cherry on top, Stephen, oh, yeah. is the heavy hitter feet. I didn't really even understand what this feat did until you had to explain it to me like three times. It's, <laughs> ins- it's that cool. It's, it's a chunky one, that's for sure. But yeah. it's like... It's like a soup with chunks. You're pleasantly surprised oh, to have like a, the chunks It's like there. a potato, cheese, broccoli. There we go. Oh. The heavy hitter feat allows Dev to add an additional point of damage for every five points he rolls above a target's reflex defense. These damage bonuses are all applied before damage multipliers. What? So if you're using like a times five laser cannon or something like that, that's five points of damage for every five points you roll above a target's reflex Shoot. defense. Shoot. And that's not even the best part. The best part is... If he exceeds the target's damage threshold, then the target cannot attack on its next turn, and speed is reduced by two squares or one square at starship scale. Not to mention also down one step on the condition track. Yeah, so on top of that. It's, it's like, it's, it can't attack, it's slower, and you just knocked it down one CT. I'd argue this ba- this action economy, like, chokehold I have on this enemy character is better than building a CT killer. Like going down the CT like versus removing an entire attack per round is insane, especially when it comes to starship combat, where combat is swingy as hell and extremely lethal. So taking an attack off the board is means you probably saved a life. That tie bomber is not going to take out that rebel squadron on the ground. No. So cool. Uh, That's all I've got with uh, Dev. But, you know, talking about building another ace pilot had me inspired steven oh yeah what do you think and i think it's been enough time you know we we were we're we're coasted past our our rodney thompson hype so we have to find another way to spice things up (laughs) it's time for another bounty it is it is do your pre-flight checks and get ready to jump to light speed because this bounty is for ace pilots only build a level 10 character with at least one level in the ace pilot prestige class as we've covered in the past any base class makes an excellent fighter pilot i want to hear cool backstories and your favorite starfighters the build has to include their starfighter <laughs> of choice don't give us a pilot with no starfighter anything's fair game or or vehicles or vehicle yeah if you want like if you had a tank guy in mind that would be a good fit here too i think Hell absolutely yeah. builds are due in two weeks that's sunday september 11th at 11 59 p.m pacific time voting will be until september 25th after we unveil the builds in our usual build showcase format and remember the winner of the build showcase and we say when it's it's not like a contest it's a community community vote thing but the patrons vote for their favorite build and that one gets a shout out on the following episode after voting is concluded we still do a general um breakdown of all of them and see what's cool what's not cool oh yeah no if you send one in like it's probably getting on the pod like let's We prefer nice, like good formatting, good level breakdowns. It just makes it easy to verify that it's rules legal and also read off on the radio audio format. So things are a little different for us. But any way that you're comfortable sending in the character that you believe is legible should be good enough for us. We'll tend to reach out if something's unclear or if something doesn't line up with the rules. That's Dark Times Swissy, S-W-S-E, Dark Times S-W-S-E at gmail.com. I think the patrons are going to have an edge in this one, Stephen. You know why? Why is that? They get to cool, use your cool zero distance uh, setting <laughs> handout guide. Well, hey, I mean, if they care, if they care enough about the showcase, you know, they'll, they'll get to see the guide and get to vote. So I have a stupid question. What's up? Do you think ah, the only stupid question is the one you didn't ask? I have a question I'm not I might not ask. OK, <laughs> well, we can edit it out if it's that bad. Do you think would it be how cool would it be if the winner of this bounty gets featured in zero distance oh just yeah for you and me like not even for the listeners if you don't tell the other players that i'm doing that then yeah we'll, i won't we'll tell them yeah only one would know because only one listens to the show it's true yeah sure i mean if if i if if they're a winner and i think they fit the story i'm trying to tell and with your permission i'd love to squeeze them into my little starfighter adventure who knows and that's the point use these to squeeze into your own starfighter adventure someone was asking for inquisitor builds on reddit the other day and someone in the comments was like, the Dark Times guys did something like that once. And I replied, bam, hyperlink right to the Google Drive folder with all with the Inquisitors. Everyone's Inquisitor builds and how they work. It was so great. And that's what these build showcases are for. Inspiring and helping people play the game faster, easier, more often. All right, Sam. I think we're just about wrapping up here. Maybe I can escape my cell without any threat of on my life today. Maybe. Oh, Stephen. I, we've done a, you've done so much for the community at releasing all those uh, handouts and stuff like that. And we've got a bounty coming up. I can't have you down anytime soon. All right. 
Who's gonna help? Who's gonna go over these ace pilot builds with me That's in the true. next couple That's weeks? That's true. You need a pro like me to, to exactly. Thank God. So you live right. today, but keep an eye out. <sighs> All right. Keep a chip on your shoulder, Stephen. Okay. All right. Uh, do you have any trivia for us this week? I do actually. I have a kind of a. I don't even know how I stumbled across this, but it's a good one. In the cantina scene, there was an unnamed background alien that had the production name Terminal Man. His mask with a kind of terminally ill visage and electric terminals on his temples was meant to be a design of Frankenstein's monster. The the cost, the prop designer was like, oh, yeah, if I was doing Frankenstein's monster, this is what he would look like. And somehow that ended up in Star Wars. <laughs> a copy of this mask was also made and a mustache was added to be an extra in, in that cantina scene. The mustachioed version of Terminal Man went unnamed in official Star Wars lore for years until Tom Spina, an artist with extensive experience repairing and duplicating props used in Star Wars, made a replica of the mustachioed Terminal Man mask as a prize for an attendee at 2012's Star Wars Celebration 6 fan convention. And a nod to the winner, Brandon Connors, the character was dubbed Brand Connor Bakiska. That's great. That's a good trivia this week, Steven. Thank wow. you. I love, there's so many little stories about all those freaky little aliens in the background. I might not kill you next week either. <sighs> I hope not. There's a good book I actually been meaning to read called Tales from the Cantina. Oh yeah, I'm familiar. I've got it sitting on my bookshelf and my friend gave it to me and he was like, have you read it yet? And I was like, no. <laughs> it's a classic. It's, it's fantastic. So pick that up at your used bookstore if you can find one. Absolutely. The Dark Times is presented by me, Sam. Steven's my co-host. You can reach out to us on Twitter at DarkTimesSWSE or email us DarkTimesSWSE at gmail.com. Keep an eye out for those uh, Ace Pilot bounties and join the Patreon to get a sticker, a t-shirt, or just to vote in the bounties, whatever works. Please do get those Ace Pilot bounties straight to our inbox at DarkTimesSWSE at gmail.com. Level 10, at least one level in Ace Pilot. Don't forget their Starfighter or vehicle of choice. Hell yeah. Thank you so much for supporting the show, Steven. I can't say it enough. We're coming up like... Two months out from our year anniversary. We're two months out from our year anniversary. Isn't that crazy? Crazy. Oh, I forgot. I meant to say this at the top of the show. Um, I The Rodney interview was er- erroneously labeled episode 37. Yes. That was just my mistake. I just brain farted, called it level 30, uh, level episode 37. And and that's, 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 you can't change Reddit titles. So that's just going to be there forever. <laughs> <laughs> it was the 36th episode. The following episode was the 37th. This one is the 38th. All right. Well. Thank you so much for listening again. And uh, Stephen, do you have a quote for us this week? You don't have to look tough to be tough. Oh, that's cute. Who said that? Ahsoka Tano. What season was that in? Oh, I don't fucking know. <laughs> <laughs> Good night, everybody. Let's see. Ahsoka Tube Top Tano. That's what they called it. I sure hope it wasn't Ahsoka Tube Top Tano. That would, well, that would explain the quote, right? Like, if she doesn't dress tough, that's for fucking sure. It's in the episode Bounty Hunters. What? Oh, that's a good one. It, it was. I can't remember what season that was. I don't. I think that's. I think that's not Tube Top Tano though. I think that's pretty much. That's, that's after season three, so I'm pretty sure that's not Tube Top Tano. Okay. I don't like that we call her that. Yeah, that's. It's a uh, season two, so season that's two? that's wow. solidly Tube Top Tube Top Tano. Tano. Thanks, George. Thanks, George. That was all his idea. Yeah. I think I've already said it on the pod, but that was all him. The we love. I love the cool Centurion. Uh, yeah. Concept art, which we did get. You know, um, Mandalorian Ahsoka dresses just like just that. like her original concept art. Uh, but George came in. and He said, "No, there's no Centurions in space. Only women in tube tops. No, no underwear. No bras in space. What a fucking weirdo. How good? How? Good night, everybody." <laughs> <laughs>